Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex podcast. <laughs> the mic just decided to fall over. Um, yeah, welcome to Hit the Apex podcast. It's me, Jawad, as always, and thank you for tuning in. Um, this is our final podcast of the year for 2019. Um, you would have probably heard the F1 season review by now um, on Christmas Day. If you're listening to it, Merry Christmas, everybody. Same deal here. Um, I hope you guys have had a good one, whatever you're doing, spending it with friends, family, or even on your own, because, you know, people do, and it's totally fine. Just hope you guys are all okay. Um, Other than that, yeah, so final one of the year is going to be about supercars mainly. I thought I'd dedicate a whole episode to talking about the supercars championship this year, because... It's been an interesting one, you know, it's had its ups, it's had its downs, there's been a lot of talking points that have come out of there, and if you've been following the podcast all year, I have been quite vocal and giving a lot of detail as to what's going on, especially, you know, with the parody war between Ford and Holden, the new Ford Mustang, obviously, hit the ground running, and the rivals, their rivals, um, mainly the Holden guys, didn't really like that, and, you know, there was aerodynamic adjustments made, then Bathurst as well, the Bathurst 1000 this year was unfortunately not the spectacle it should have been, there was a lot of controversy around that, um, cheating is what they basically summarised uh, what happened there, you know, so there was a bit of cheating, um, I hate using that word, Um, when it comes to sport, because, you know, sports people are supposed to hold a high integrity, but, you know, when that sort of stuff happens, it it should be taken seriously, and, you know, in this instance, with the penalties that were dished out, it was quite serious, but, you know, at the end of the day, they didn't actually strip the win, which, you know, I think that would not have been right, you know, they handed them every other penalty in the book, but, you know, the win had to remain, because when you look at the year that... Scott McLaughlin's had this year, it's been phenomenal, and, you know, Bathurst aside, he's been the one who has had the stranglehold in this championship, so, you know, if they were to take the win away from him this year, then I'm sure he'll come out next year and win it too, just the way he's been driving, if he carries that form with him into 2020 as well, I'm sure we'll see another repeat of this performance, but it all depends on, you know, how the cars shape up too, you know, there's been some aero readjustments and some homologation tests that are taking place um, before we head into the new year. And then, of course, when we get to the new year, when we do pre-season testing, they're doing it at the Bend Motorsport Park next time. Um, it was great to actually go there, tick that race off to this year, the Bend Super Sprint. But they're going to do that at the Bend Motor um motorsport park next year before heading to the first round in Adelaide so that'll probably give us an idea of where they're going to be at but let's go back to the beginning let's um as I did with the F1 um review I sort of broken it down into the main categories that I think you know this year has circled around in the supercars championship so you know McLaughlin of course being the master in 2019 that's probably an understatement to to the kind of year that he has had, you know, we saw him last year, 2018, break out and win that first championship, of course, you know, the weight lifted off his shoulders from the previous year in 2017, where he um, made that mistake or made those mistakes at the final round in Newcastle, but it was almost a redemption story 12 months later to wrap the championship up in Newcastle at the end of 2018, beating Shane Van Gisbergen for that maiden title. But 
this year it's just been something else from McLaughlin. He stepped it up another level, which, you know, as a fan, I've watched McLaughlin since he made his debut. You know, his first win in 2013 for GRM at Pugakoi, well, you know, that's his first official win because he did win at the Grand Prix back when it was a, um, a non-point scoring round. But his first official win here for GRM in Pukekohe on home soil too. You knew from that moment seven years ago that we have a future champion in the making. And, you know, you could say that about a lot of drivers and unfortunately they don't make it very far up the um, the rankings or they don't end up making the right career choices you know, team-wise and go to the right team, but McLaughlin, you know, from the minute, you know, he was to move to DJR Team Penske with the blessing of Roger Penske and all the Penske guys back in the US, you knew that there was something great about to happen and, you know, the um, defection of Ludo Lacroix, the engineer too, from Triple Eight, their long-time technical director and, you know, just all-round guru to go into Scotty's corner as well was a huge boost so you know I mean 2017 you could have said still a bit raw to to have won the championship and you know that mistake that he did make in Newcastle kind of galvanized him a little bit you got to say you know without that mistake I think you know we might not have seen Scott win the championship the next year so in in fact that kind of opened things up for him a little bit and you know he came out last year put in you know, so many mature drives and won the championship in the end. But then this year has been an evolution of that. You've got to say, you know, he's been the class of the field. You know, he's been dominant. He's won 18 races out of the 32 that we've got um, in the season, 16 pole positions. So with the wins, he set an individual record for uh, most wins in a season which is a record, mind you, if you've heard me talk about it during the year, has not been beaten since 1996. You know, that was 14 wins that Craig Lowndes uh, recorded in 1996 en route to his championship back then. So for what, you know, it's been two decades um, or, yeah, you know, two decades that that record has not been beaten until now, until, you know, um, 2019. So that's been... The kind of dominance that we've seen from McLaughlin all year. At the end of the year, he finished 562 points ahead of Shane Van Gisbergen again, who was his closest title rival. And, you know, just to put some context on that or shed some light on it, 560 points is almost two rounds worth of points. So you get 300 points per round. You know, the round might be divided up into two races if it's a super sprint format or a super street format. So, you know, to finish almost 600 points ahead of your rival, that means you're two rounds ahead of them, so that's, you know, been the most alarming, or not, I wouldn't say alarming, but like the most surprising part of that is that he's finished so far ahead, and you look back at, you know, in recent history, I guess, or if you want to talk about, because we're at the end of another decade, of course, um, and looking back at the last decade for supercars, is, you know, Jamie Wincup has been your benchmark operator in supercars. He has been ultra-dominant, of course, and since, obviously, the turn of the decade, Triple Eight made the switch to Holden, so that partnership between Holden and Triple Eight and Jamie Wincup has obviously been very fruitful. And, you know, how many championships came of that? You know, now he's a seven-time world champion, of course, or seven-time supercars champion, that is. So, you know, Wincup has had some pretty dominant seasons, too, but... 
I think none have really stacked up to how strong a season McLaughlin has had this year. You know, a lot of people have come out and said that, oh, you know, it's been a bit boring because we're watching Ford win all the time or McLaughlin wins all the time. But we had Wincup also go through that with us over the last few years too. You know, when you look at 2014 in particular, that was a very Wincup um, orientated year. He had won the championship, I think, um, with a round to spare at Phillip Island, as did McLaughlin this year. He wrapped up the cha- he wrapped up the um, title at Sandown, which was the penultimate round this year. So, you know, you got to say it's been kind of similar with those with those guys. But then with with McLaughlin, you've obviously got scope to improve. You've got you know more to come from him. He's only twenty six years old, but the question is, how long is he going to stay in supercars too? Because there's that all there's that thing, you know, uh, dangling over his head about you know the temptation to go to the US and race for Roger Penske over there, whether it be in NASCAR or it's most likely going to be in NASCAR. He um, was going to test a Penske IndyCar over there while he's um, over there in January, I think in January or maybe at the end of this month well we're already there pretty much so you know he's done that he's going to do that he's recently got married as well so you know if I was Scotty McLaughlin life's good at the moment and to have a look at the year that he's had as well he's he swept the Adelaide 500 that was how he started the year six consecutive wins you know in the middle part of the season two including the first ever driver to complete the Darwin Triple Crown which was I think pole position and then also winning both races on the weekend and then of course the Bathurst 1000 win as well which you know for now I guess people are still going to talk about um, with an asterisk next to it saying whether you know that was fully deserved or not when you look at the penalties that came from it and I'll discuss that a little bit later in more depth as a standalone piece but McLaughlin you know it's kind of like the cherry on his cake you know the feather in his cap to have won Bathurst this year as well you know and if you know it wasn't good enough for all the critics then he'll win it next year I'm sure you know that'll be a lot more challenging I think especially when you know they've made more parity adjustments and you know the reduction in aero too because that's obviously where the Mustang drew its strength from this year so next year is going to be a big one but we could just got to sit back and um, admire what he's achieved this year has got you know he wrapped up the title at a pretty challenging Sandown 500 because you know we had the penalties from Bathurst laid down you know the stripping of 300 teams points um, which Shell V Power Racing, DJR Team Penske potentially at risk of losing the team's championship to Triple Eight, who in the latter part of the season were the dominant force. Um, but you know McLaughlin managed to scrounge up, scrounge up some good results. Um, he was relegated to the back of the grid as well, of course, because um, there was a penalty. Uh, or an exclusion, if you will, from the qualifying from Bathurst. So, you know, try and work that out, that, you know, they excluded him from Bathurst qualifying and stripped the pole position there, but he was relegated to the back of the grid at Sandown, even though this penalty was handed out um, just on the morning of the Sandown 500, actually. So, work that one out. There's been a lot of, you know, talk and debate about penalties and, you know, the severity of them and whether they're too lenient or what the stewards are doing in regards to that this year. So I'm sure going into next year as well, that's going to be a big, big talking point. But other than that, you know, you can just use whatever superlatives you want to describe McLaughlin's year. He's just had an amazing year. And 
you know, same same car as his teammate Fabian Coulthard, who had a better year this year, you could say. Um, he was able to win races, but at the same time, just not able to get the most like Scotty did. And perhaps Fab's just not as consistent as Scotty um, either. So that just shows you Scotty, you know, and his, his greatness this year. And another point that I wanted to put across as well was the fact that you had six drivers in a Ford Mustang this year. You can't just say that the Mustang is a dominant car when only one of those drivers is consistently beating everyone. So there were times during the season when these parity adjustments were made that, you know, the likes of Coulthard, the Tickford guys as well, who had a pretty average year, you could say. They won some races, but ultimately, you know, you would have said that with that Mustang under their belt that they should have been a bit higher up than they finished. So on that basis, then, yeah, you know, it's mostly, you could say, Scott's, you know, input, but also his engineer, Lacroix as well, you know, his genius that backs him. So I won't take a word of, you know, oh, you know, it was all to do with a Mustang, basically, because there were five other drivers in a Mustang this year and they didn't they didn't get the job done. They didn't finish anywhere near the top. Um, well, best place driver in this instance was um, Fabian Coulthard, who finished third in the championship. Oh, sorry, fourth in the championship. So there you go. The two triple eight guys ended up ahead, you know, second and third. So after their slow start to the year, and then you've got your your Tickford guys, you know, Chas Mostert, fifth. You could say a bit of an underwhelming year for him. There was certainly expectation for him to do a bit better. Cameron Waters, a bit inconsistent at times, but, you know, ultimately had a pretty decent year, and he's going to be the guy to lead Tickford forward now that um, Mostert's going off to W... Sorry. Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, so... Yeah, you know, it's it's just to do with Scott. It's Scott's ability. He's the one who's been the benchmark this year. So we'll just have to leave it at that, I guess. And as far as next year's concerned, I think there might be a bigger point for him to prove given the controversies of this year. You know, I'm sure he will deliver as he does. He's just... Each year he has matured a lot more. He's not really got himself into trouble on the track. You know, people respect him. And this Ford versus Holden rivalry, rivalry, which, you know, I'll elaborate on a bit more when we get to the, the parody war section, is that it's going to be more intense than ever next year. Obviously, now we're dropping back to just the two manufacturers with um, Nissan dropping out, you know, the final season for the Altima and the Kelly racing team switching over to Ford Mustang next year. But also, there'll be a point to prove from the Holden camp too, because... Um, they announced only a week ago or a week and a half ago that Holden is going to cease selling the Commodore in Australia, you know, even though it wasn't really a Commodore to begin with, the latest model, uh, it was an Opel Insignia badged as a, a ZB Commodore, they're going to cease selling that in the Australian market, but also, you know, they're only committing to supercars with the Commodore until at least, you know, 2021, the end of 2021, so what does the future hold for Holden in the category now? And, you know, it's good that we've had Ford recommit to supercars. They came back, they brought the Mustang. Um, but, you know, Holden's future is a bit cloudy now. And, you know, with Ford having made the commitment, I think, you know, the category as a whole, you know, fans alike as well should probably treat Ford a little bit better because, you know, they've committed long-term to this while Holden, everything's up in the air now. So that's all about that. But as far as Scott's concerned, you know, masterful season. He 
was totally the man to to be he's totally the man to beat next year I expect the same you know even if the wings get clipped a bit more on the Mustang and everything he and Lacroix will um, find a way to do it and you know Jamie Wincup he you know could be you know not too far away from retirement either you know it's not been like indicated or anything but he's won seven championships if he can't challenge anymore maybe he might decide to step down um that wouldn't I wouldn't want to see that too soon because he seems like he's doing rather well and you know good on him for you know this year with Craig Lowndes winning the Enduro Cup you know we predicted it at the start of the year that these two will be the will be the combination to beat when it came to the Enduro Cup and you know not only him but Garth Tander and Shane Van Gisbergen as well did did a great job so you know more on that a bit later but yeah as far as Scott's season's concerned it was quite the year and next year I guess if he wants to prove a point to everyone I'm sure he'll do it so now I guess let's shift over to talking about the parody war and how that's pretty much dominated the headlines all season and I've documented it quite um, vocally as well on the podcast throughout the year if you guys have been listening and We all know that this year the Ford came back into the championship um, after a bit of a layoff and brought with them the Ford Mustang. So obviously coming from the US, the car was homologated to supercar spec pre-2019. So kind of this time last year they were doing the testing, you know, at an airfield and doing comparisons alongside the ZB Commodore and the Nissan Altima at the time. Um, It was ticked off, you know, there was... um, no concerns or anything raised over it and you know we expected everything was kosher so we get to Phillip Island for the preseason test this year three fastest cars in that test day was the Mustangs then you know came out and swept the Adelaide 500 you know pole positions for both the um, Penske cars and then both races obviously won by McLaughlin then second round of the championship we go to Melbourne Albert Park for the Grand Prix support round and all four races won by the Mustang including so three of the wins were McLaughlin and Chas Mostert won uh, one of the races too because McLaughlin ended up crashing into Cam Waters I think on the warm lap or something like that so even if it wasn't for that I'm sure uh, McLaughlin would have won that too so it was after that where you know supercars came out and made some technical changes uh, i written it down as wings clipped essentially but it was basically a clipping of the wings you know there was you know there was some ballast added to the Mustang there was some aero taken off it you know just to get the um, parity in line with the Commodore and then the next round in Tasmania we saw Red Bull win their first race of the year so Triple Eight winning in race eight Shane Van Gisbergen breaking through but then after that, we had to Phillip Island, and it was another sweep for DGR Team Penske. So that's where, that's where you know things started becoming a bit more serious. There was more change after that, but it didn't actually stop DGR Team Penske. They won the next seven races across you know three rounds, four rounds. Sorry, Perth, the Super Night event, the two races in Winton. Darwin, as I said, with Scotty winning the Triple Crown, and then, of course, one leg of the Townsville 400 as well. So, despite these changes, Penske was still the the benchmark team, and this goes back to what I was saying before about it wasn't a Mustang thing, it's a team thing, you know, that, you know, why isn't Tickford dominating also? So, it's a DGR team Penske thing, they've clearly got the better setups, 
you know, Scotty is working the car better than any of the drivers. And of course, having Lacroix there as the engineer too is helping. Yet, you know, Pukekohe heading into that round, there was another round of aero changes, which, you know, leading into the Enduro Cup was a big deal because they wanted the Enduro Cup to be exciting and whatnot. But, um, you know, I got to say that that Pukekohe round of aero changes was kind of the nail in the coffin because already it's so what do you call it, off-putting that in in a sport, you know, and supercars motor is a sport, it's motorsport, that these kind of changes are being done in the middle of a season, you know, you're changing, changing, you know, handicaps or whatever it is in the middle of a season, you know, it's like saying, you know, the worst team on the, worst team in a football competition gets to start the, start the game one or two goals up or whatever, you know, or a couple of tries up if you're playing rugby. So, why can't these be done? Why couldn't those changes be just left till the end of the season? I understand that they want to, you know, keep the racing exciting, keep everything close, but it discounts the fact that, you know, one team in particular, I'm not going to say a manufacturer, but one team in particular have done, you know, a great job to, you know, exploit their car the best they can within the current regulations. Now, when we had Triple Eight dominating over a while, and this is not, you know, I'm not speaking as a Ford fan or a Holden fan or anything, it's just about what's fair, you know, as much as I want competitive close racing, it's unfair that, you know, one team is being unfairly penalised because they had the better car, and not because it's illegal or anything, they're not running like, you know, a DRS swing or running hybrid, you know, energy boosters or whatever, or NOS, how about that, you know, imagine if they were running NOS on the car, that would be funny. Um, just reminds me of the days of Need for Speed, Underground, and, you know, Fast, the original Fast and the Furious movies, but, you know, it's not like they're running some kind of illegal trick systems or whatever that, you know, you've got to penalise them or clip their wings or whatever, um, if anything, you know, we should be discussing how the fact that if we really want to talk about parity across the board, how come only three teams won this year? You know, only DGR Team Penske, of course, Red Bull Holden Racing Team being the only Holden team that won, and Tickford, who won, I think, one race all year. So, you know, proper parity would mean if we had guys like Erebus, you know, who we tipped as dark horses at the start of the year for the championship or even the Enduro Cup, if they were winning races on a regular basis, which they didn't, you know, Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, I know they were still a bit off this year and rebuilding and whatnot, but in the ideal, in the, in an ideal season, they'd be winning races too, you know, throw in one for maybe Brad Jones Racing, but no, you know, it's just been split across the big, big three teams, and, you know, the, there's a threat that perhaps next year it might be the same thing, or what if, you know, it gets skewed back in the favour of Red Bull, you know, that would be ultimately the most off-putting thing, I think, you know, ever if that was the case. If we get to Adelaide next year and, you know, um, Van Gisbergen and Wincup are miles ahead, you know, and then sweep the Melbourne 400 as well, then what are we going to be talking about? Is there going to be an inquiry or are they going to go to VCAT again to do testing? Or are they just going to let status quo, status quo resume? You know, it's, it's about what's fair. And the fact that, you know, supercars this year made these changes in the middle of a season, I think is very disappointing. It could have waited post-season or perhaps their pre-season tests should have been a lot more stringent. 
you know, there's, they talk about not using a wind tunnel, perhaps, you know, even just a wind tunnel test, especially with a new car coming in, like the Mustang, using the wind tunnel might have been able to detect or pick up where the where this car where this chassis is proficient when it comes to using its aero and how you know it can be brought into line with the other car or the other two cars when you look at this year so just the whole way that it um panned out you know was quite disappointing and then of course at the end of the year barring Bathurst of course Red Bull won seven from the seven of the last races so swept Gold Coast came out and dominated Sandown and then of course you know Newcastle as well winning both the races there so when you look at that it's like it's still heavily over in one you know it, it's heavily favoring one team where you know we're debating parity we're discussing parity in order to level the playing field out for all the teams not just so one team can get back ahead Otherwise, if it's going to be like that, then I don't mind leaving Ford out the front for a little bit. Let them take a bit of the glory. You know, there was a stat, you know, this was the first year for a while that Triple Eight didn't pick up any major trophies. They didn't win the team's championship. They didn't win a Bathurst or they didn't win the driver's championship. And then, of course, Ford wrapped up the manufacturer's championship too quite early in the piece. I think that was back at the bend that they did that. So, you know something's got to give when it comes to that and it's really disappointing that it's only been you know to favor one team rather than you know let's get Erebus in there I want to see Erebus in the championship hunt you know David Reynolds obviously committed to the team long term on that 10-year deal hilarious that and you know we're going to see Will Brown step into the Erebus as well in a couple of years time that's been you know all but confirmed I guess and then Anton Di Pasquale next year as well big year for him you know with him being off contract I think soon and his future going to be up for discussion as well and then of course Walkinshaw new team Chas Mostert there next year that second seat most likely will go to Bryce Forward. It's not been confirmed yet. The the reigning Super Two champion. So you want those guys up in there. You know, I would have said GRM too, but unfortunately they won't be on the grid next year, as I've talked about previously. And it was kind of sad seeing their final race at Newcastle um, back at the end of November. So you know that's parity. That's proper parity. If all the teams are involved, you look at some years where you know we've had other teams come out and win a couple of races you know remember Tim Slade at Winton a couple of years ago won both races for BJR you know um, GRM would still win races or appear on the podium and then of course Darwin was a Darwin was a track that you know David Reynolds in the Erebus was winning at as well in the past so that for me is proper parity it's you know not you know Red Bull get to win everything and this is no disrespect to Red Bull either. I have the utmost respect for those guys. I think Wincup is one of the best drivers in the country. If not, you know, you could put him in a top 20 list in the world. Shane Van Gisbergen as well. His prowess is, you know, undeniably um, amazing. And he's. it'll be exciting to see him do some GT racing again next year. And obviously Bathurst 12-hour, which I'm going to be going to again. Hopefully they'll all be, I'm sure they'll be all teamed up again, the three of them with Lowndes in there too. But sometimes, you know, it's not all about them, you know, and you've got to look at the the bigger picture and these other teams as well that, you know, they're in the championship too. They want to be challenging for race wins and for championships and all. So, you know, they need a fair go too. 
All right, now let's give some airtime to talking about Bathurst again. It was one of the probably the most low points of the year, which, you know, for any supercars fan, motorsport fan who loves the Bathurst 1000 and watches it every year, you don't want to talk, you don't want Bathurst to be a low point of your year, you know, you want it to be the best race of the year, you know, you want it to be the most exciting, but, you know, it's just hard to not feel like the race was marred by the tactics that were used in the race, you know, DJR Team Penske caught um, with Fabian Coulthard backing up the pack a bit too much, you know, it was obvious enough for the TV you know, for the broadcasters to pick it up and then for the stewards to pick it up, the fans to all pick it up and question, you know, what's going on. You know, that clearly looks like he's backing them up, you know, and it was under team instruction we found out too because there was some team radio that came out talking about Debris, Debris, Debris. You know, there was no debris on the track, but, you know, that's what the the team order was. You know, that was the instruction on the radio some context to the situation, what had happened is on lap 135, the safety car came out when the IndyCar star Alexander Rossi beached um, his wildcard entry at the final corner in the gravel. So Fab's basically backed up the pack, coming down um, Conrod Strait um, under the safety car, and what it did was allow Wincup and McLaughlin, who were leading the race at the time at the front, to effectively get free pit stops and not to be affected by the double stacking, you know, that you could say cost, you know, cost Shane Van Gisbergen potentially, cost Jamie Wincup, um, and Fab's making himself the sacrificial lamb in that instance, so there was a uh, big backlash after that, you know, from that moment there was, you know, it was known that th- there was something going on, that this is not really right, and after the race we had you know, the biggest fine in the history of supercars laid down to the team, $250,000 with, you know, a significant amount of that suspended, but also 300 teams points were stripped, as I said before, too, which pretty much, you know, put them back into threat of Triple Eight for the team's championship, but, you know, DJR Team Penske held on, but then Fabian Coulthard copped quite a few penalties, too. He was relegated to the back of the um, finishing results, you know, scored no points, but then, you know, the shame, not the shame, but, you know, the criticisms that came of him after that was the hard part, because it's like, he was under instructions from the team, you know, he was the sacrificial lamb in this case, yet you're beating up on him, you know, he's not a bad bloke, he didn't do wrong, well, he did, like, but under instruction of the team, so this is where, you know, we get blurred lines, and, you know, when this is a team sport, when this is an individual sport, that, you know, this is what can happen, and a few people will tell you now, or a lot of people will tell you now, that he shouldn't have made it obvious, you know, this sort of stuff goes on all the time, but Fabian just backed up a bit too much, and, you know, made it a bit too obvious, so, um, if that hadn't happened, then we might not be talking about it right now, if it was a bit more subtle, perhaps we might not be talking about it now, but, what it did is open up a can of worms into DGR Team Penske's entire weekend at Bathurst because they did take the engine out of Scotty's um, qualifying car after he set that um, top 10 shootout lap and claim pole position and they found out that the engine that they were running in that car during qualifying was illegal. So they stripped the pole as well after the race or heading into Sandown, sorry, which, you know, after a whole round basically because we went racing at the Gold Coast where Scotty um, totaled his car and didn't 
get to race on the Sunday. So, you know, getting given a penalty for that two rounds later at um, the conclusion of the Enduro Cup, that's a bit poor, you got to say, and then making him start the Sandown 500 from the rear of the grid, you know, that should have been done um, in time for Gold Coast or, you know, there. So that's it's just very confusing, the whole thing. Like, I know we've not really had something this controversial occur in supercars ever. But, you know, this is why you've got the rules written, you've got the FIA rules to, to go over to. Um, there was talk about, you know, potentially throwing the book at him, you know, do what um, what happened in the instance of Renault back in 2008 and um, when Fernando Alonso was involved with Crashgate and Flavio Briatore basically got banned from F1 for life. Pat Simmons as well was given a ban. He couldn't um, work any work anywhere to do with F1, you know, um, F1 teams um, basically for a few years before his ban was overturned and now he's obviously on the technical department for Formula 1 management. So, you know, that's what was kind of being said at the time. But... At the end of the day, they just got the fine. Um, they've copped enough heat as it is, and I just don't want to see anything like that again. And I'm sure no one does. You know, it's so... When you think about cheating, you, you know, you look at, you know, Lance Armstrong, of course, you know, what he did. Cronulla Sharks, you know, peptide scandal that they had in the NRL. You know, salary cap cheating that you see as well in various different codes. And then, of course, Sandpapergate with the Australian cricket team last year. I think, you know, the country was, or, you know, the part of the country that's obsessed with their sports were quite traumatised by that because you're like, you'd think that, oh, you know, Aussies would never cheat. They'd never do that. But there you go, you know, sometimes people do whatever it takes. You know, Australian sports people do whatever it takes to win and that's the kind of culture that we don't want to have. And even in motorsport where everything's on the edge and everything's, you know, sort of, you know, on the limit, it's it's just you don't do that sort of thing because, you know, morally it's incorrect. I know that sounds very naive of me to say, but we want things to be fair and got to keep it fair. So that's why I said before that potentially next year... We might see Scotty redeem himself at the mountain. We might see the team redeem themselves and not try any of this. And I don't think he would be... I don't know if he's the kind of person to not leave Australia and do his um, whole US thing without actually getting another Bathurst win to solidify that and, you know, tell the people, yep, you know, this one is legit. You can't say anything about this. So after all that, Bathurst, parody, war, um, all the lows that we've had this season, is it going to be normal programming? Will normal programming resume in 2020? And what is normal programming for supercars? Well, the cynic might say that it's Triple Eight being able to win everything and, you know, hold and dominating and then no one says anything. You know, after all, they won the last seven races, sweeping Gold Coast and Sandown. But, you know... It would suck if they did dominate after the changes that they make off-season, you know. It wasn't just because of the Mustang that Triple Eight struggled this year. They struggled to adapt to the to the linear springs as well. Next year as well, the category is shifting to control uprights as well. So one less thing that, you know, they have to develop in-house and they'll be using control parts for that, um, standardised parts, which, you know, you might have heard me talk about in conjunction with F1 a bit. 
So, yeah, is that going to be normal programming or will we see a genuinely competitive season where, you know, you want to see Wincup or Van Gisbergen go toe-to-toe with McLaughlin and Coulthard as well, the two teams square off, but then you want to see some strong cameos from Erebus, from Walkinshaw and Dreddy United as well. You know, you want those guys to get back into the winner's circle. I mean, it was great seeing Anton Di Pasquale this year on the podium a couple of times, a couple of P3s he got. And then, of course, Dickford as well with their new lineup. They've got Jack LeBrock there um, replacing Chaz Mostert. Cam Waters is going to be the guy leading the team. And then, of course, you know, Will Davison in the 23 red car. And Lee Holdsworth, who finally broke through for a podium too and ended up getting a um, an extension on his contract there. So... You know, that's the kind of supercars that we're accustomed to seeing, you know, not, you know, just this two-team domination that we, you know, have become familiar with in F1. You know, supercars has been one of those categories that have had it open for quite some time. And while, you know, podiums might not be, sorry, podiums and the odd win might be par for the course for all the other teams, you know, they might not be able to get themselves into championship contention. But, you know, you look at the year that we've had, it's been quite decent, even though, you know, some of the big names like Scott Pye didn't get any podiums this year. Now he's off to his new home at Team 18 next year who confirmed their enduro pairings as well. It's good to see James Golding get a home there with Mark Winterbottom. Sad that Stephen Richards has decided to retire from co-driving altogether and he can be proud of his five Bathurst 1000 victories that he has. And then, of course, um, Dean Fiore is going to partner Scott Pye. So now that Nissan have decided to scale back there, um, or Kelly Racing have decided to scale back to two cars. So um, good home for Fiore to find alongside Scott Pye. And I think, you know, I don't know. No, they didn't. Um, I thought that they might have driven together in the past at Lucas Dumbrell, but that's not the case. And, of course, James Courtney on the podium with uh, Jack Perkins at Bathurst as well, um, P3. So first time Jack Perkins has been on the podium up there, which has been great. Of course, you know, JC going to a new home too with um, the Sydney team, or Techno, you could say. And we don't know yet what um, the future holds Jack Perkins and also his um, fellow co-driver at Walkinshaw and Warren Luff. It'd be great to see them both stay put, but I'm sure there might be change coming there so a lot to look forward to next year and it just depends on how this um parody thing goes you know i want to see both cars you know given that it's only mustang versus commodore next year as well you want to see both cars competitive and you know both of them in the championship whether it is just dgr team penske versus red bull holden racing team but you know some cameos from the other guys would be really nice too and um you know Let's talk about Christmas wishes. That's what I want for Christmas. I want a competitive V8 Supercar Championship next year. I also want a competitive F1 season too, where the championship goes to the final race. But, you know, might be pulling on Santa's leg a little bit too much there. (laughs) And, you know, I'm sure, you know, you guys are enjoying your gifts and everything as well. Hopefully there's some motorsport-themed stuff um, being opened um, across the world um, by the listeners. So... Yeah, that pretty much sums up supercars for me this year. Um, I just wanted to share some final thoughts anyway on um, some other stuff that's happened over the year, you know, in the world of sport. You know, I did a couple of times do Hit the Globe where I, talk, where I talked about some other sports around the world, um, you know, talking a bit about footy this year, the NRL as well, um, Richmond, Richmond Tigers in the AFL continuing their dynasty, winning a second flag in three years, you know, Sydney Roosters as well in the NRL, back-to-back premierships, the first time since 
the Broncos in the mid 90s and you know Canberra Raiders being robbed you could say in that final you know with a bad referee decision controversial cricket world cup final too seeing the Poms win of course um, over New Zealand that super over which was tied and then they decided it on count back of boundaries you know I'm sure we're not going to see that ever again and then of course the Australian test team staying in England and retaining the ashes as well in that um, pretty good test series that we saw there and a return to form for Steve Smith which you know has been pretty exciting and of course now they're playing here at home Boxing Day test coming up against New Zealand so you know hopefully the second test is a bit more exciting than the first one and of course all the big bash action too I think my Renegades are down three games so far three out of three they've lost so far this season so that's really exciting um and then Fernando Alonso, he's been pretty busy too this year. He won Daytona, the 24-hour race there. He won Le Mans for a second time too in the, the WEC Super Season. And of course sealed the uh, WEC title as well with uh, Sebastian Buemi and Kazuki Nakajima. So congratulations to Mr. Alonso. What's he doing next year? I think just Dakar at the moment. And he doesn't actually have an Indy 500 program secured. So... We'll see who he gets to drive with. It certainly won't be a Honda team, so you can forget about doing it for Andretti. So, you know, it could be potentially like a, a, a you know, one of those uh, wild cards or, you know, Penske if he does a wild card. And speaking of Penske, you know, it's been a pretty big year for him because as well as his success in supercars, he won the Indy 500 with Simon Paginow, the Indy, um, Indy Car Championship 2, Joseph Newgarden winning that at the final round, and then of course they were IMSA champions as well with um, Dane Cameron and um, Juan Pablo Montoya, so winning in sports cars and indie cars and supercars too, then to cap it all off, the guy decides to go and buy the indie car category as well as the Indianapolis 500 um, or the Indianapolis Motor Speedway too, so you know, way to celebrate the end of your year by going out and making some big purchases, I mean the biggest purchase I made this year was um to to cap off the year was a new barbecue so you know maybe the Indianapolis Motor Speedway or something like that will be in my destiny for the future but for now I'm just going to celebrate with my barbecue that's what I'll be doing Christmas day um doing some uh slow cooked uh brisket I think some ribs would be great too and just basically having a few quiet ones and looking back at what has been a pretty pretty um interesting year you know not only for motorsport but personally as well i already mentioned in the um the f1 review that you know obviously going and doing this solo has been a bit of a change but you know a welcome change i think i've really enjoyed doing it this year on my own and also having that freedom but as well you know having some new people tuning in and listening as well and you know i thank every one of you guys for for tuning in whether you do it on a weekly basis or whenever you can catch it to to have a listen to see what I'm talking about sometimes I just ramble talk a lot of nonsense but you know sometimes there might be a a point that I want to put across you know which you guys do take on board and it's been great meeting you know meeting new people too you know obviously I talked about um, the region e-racing podcast which you know I appeared on um, the last time and how it'd be exciting to talk a bit more electric racing with those guys too next year so yeah you know new adventures await in 2020 um hope everyone's excited for what lies ahead um be sure to keep posted um or you know if you want to follow what we're up to or what i'm up to over the off season if i do do any posting it'll be off the hit the apex media twitter account 
Um, I think I decided last week um, or in the last podcast I might not bother with Facebook this time. But yeah, follow us on Hit the Apex Media on Twitter um, for all the latest updates and everything. When it comes to F1 preseason, I'll be back, start doing some previews, recording again, you know, take a little bit of a break. And of course, you know, Bathurst 12-hour will be the first race for me in person. I can't wait for that one and it will be here in a month's time almost. So not much of a break, but you know, it's what we, we'll do what we do and we do it for what we love. And we, I do love my motorsport and, you know, doing this, doing podcasting, talking. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, thanks guys for, for tuning in this year. It's really meant a lot to have all your support and everything and um, I really appreciate you guys getting on board and also you know for the future as well um it will be exciting to see what happens um next year so thank you very much and have a merry christmas happy new year and i'll be back in 2020